As Democrats' doomsday inches closer, Joe Biden issues his final plea. Vote for his party or democracy ends. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. I talk about them every single show. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com. Slash Ben, we'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, the Biden administration has taken to Twitter to now assault Shell and ExxonMobil for posting record profits. There are a bunch of other industries they seem to be ignoring, even though the prices are going up. That includes big pharma, big tech, big wireless. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they post billions in profits every single quarter. The Biden White House is relatively silent about all of that. Well, perhaps one of the reasons is because those companies tend to support a lot of causes that Joe Biden kind of likes. Switching to Pure Talk can help you out of this conundrum. It can save you 50% off your current bill every single month, and you'll be supporting a company that doesn't hate your guts. You could be paying 30 bucks a month for talk, text, and data. Your family could be saving almost $1,000 per year for the same coverage, for the same service you have right now. A veteran-owned, proudly American company, Pure Talk does not overcharge their customers to keep their shareholders happy. You can switch to their service today in as little as 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com. Enter code Shapiro, save 50% off your very first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro for 50% off your very first month of coverage. Why not save some money on your phone bill if you can and don't give your money to people who despise you at the same time? puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro to get started. Also, when you're running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations. I'm, I'm saying that in a nice way. The fact is that HR can be a major problem at any company, and this is why you need to talk to Bambi. With Bambi, you get your own dedicated HR manager starting at just 99 bucks per month. This person is available to you by phone, email, and real-time chat. They will help you effortlessly run employee onboardings and terminations, encourage good performance, and make sure your business stays compliant with those ever-changing HR regulations. Plus, with Bambi's HR autopilot feature, you can automate important HR practices like setting policies, employee training, and feedback procedures. All of Bambi's HR managers are based in the United States. They can support the nuances across all 50 states. HR managers can easily cost 80 grand per year. Bambi starts at 99 bucks a month. That is a lot of savings. Schedule that free conversation today. See how much Bambi can take off of your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type Ben Shapiro under podcast when you sign up. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E.com. B-A-M-B-E-E.com. Bambi.com. Type in Ben Shapiro to get started today. Well, the numbers look really, really bad for the Democrats in the Senate. It looks very likely that Republicans are going to pick up at least 52, 53, maybe up to 54 seats. The races that are within margin of error right now include New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. In those particular races, it looks as though Republicans are likely to pick up Georgia and Nevada at a bare minimum. As far as Arizona, Mark Kelly is running dead even with Blake Masters. In Pennsylvania, John Fetterman seems to have dropped behind Dr. Oz. And in New Hampshire, Don Balduck has made a surprising run to right now, lead in many of the polls against Maggie Hassan. There are some other races that are still within spitting distance for the Republicans. That includes Patty Murray's race in Washington state. She could theoretically lose. Also, Colorado is now within five points where Michael Bennett is running a very close race. All of this bodes very, very ill for the Democrats, and they are freaking out about it as well they should be. The real clear politics polling average suggests that Republicans are likely to pick up at least 31 seats. It could be all the way up to 48 seats at this point. If you look at sort of the nature of the wave, I'm predicting closer to 40 seats than to 30 seats. At this point, probably 38, 39 seats is not unlikely. Even CNN is recognizing how bad this is for Democrats. You have Harry Enten, who is their elections analyst, pointing out that Republicans are gaining with less than a week to go. He says, we're dealing with a deeply dissatisfied electorate, which almost always means the president's party is punished by voters. Take a look at a Gallup poll released Tuesday. Just 17% of Americans say they were satisfied with the direction the country was going. That is the worst in any midterm since at least 1982, when Gallup first measured satisfaction in a midterm. So that means the worst on record, essentially, because the polling 
data has become a lot more sophisticated since 1982. Importantly, the satisfaction with the direction of the country is highly correlated with midterm outcomes in the House. In the midterms, when more Americans are dissatisfied than satisfied with the direction of the country, the party that held the White House has lost an average of 33 seats. That jumps to 46 seats in a president's first midterm. If you look at the seat totals instead, the party holding the White House ends up with 186 seats on average when more Americans are dissatisfied than satisfied in a president's first midterm. This would be an over 35-seat loss for Democrats in the 2022 midterms. Again, very ugly numbers for the Democrats. And they know that it's getting very ugly out there, which is why they are dumping money into a bunch of districts that really should be safe. According to Politico, GOP Representative Mike Garcia holds one of the House Republicans' most vulnerable districts, but Democrats have barely spent a dime on TV to take him down. The decision, according to those involved, was driven by relative lack of resources. As Republicans' biggest House super PAC floods the election with hundreds of millions of dollars, their Democratic counterparts have lagged far behind. Some members of the California Democratic delegation were alarmed by the decision to leave Garcia's district untouched. They've urged their party's campaign arm in recent weeks not to abandon a seat. Joe Biden won by double digits, according to multiple people familiar with the discussions. Similar pleas are coming from Texas, Pennsylvania, and elsewhere. Frustrated Democrats are bemoaning that their party's outside groups are unable or unwilling to devote precious funds toward what they see as winnable seats. The result is a shrinking battlefield for Democrats that has seen leadership and rank and file members like pressuring the rest of their party, including Biden, to pony up more support in a bid to save the House majority. They're not going to save the House majority. There is literally no way they will save the House majority. It's effectively a 100% shot that Republicans take the majority in the House of Representatives. At this point, House Democrats' panic, according to Politico, has escalated this month as GOP outside groups continue to smash fundraising records. Despite high candidate fundraising, Democrats have been unable to respond. With the same volume of money, the party has struggled to free up the resources to attack potentially endangered Republican incumbents, a crucial part of their strategy because they need to offset expected losses in more conservative Democratic-held districts. Democrats currently have just a five-seat majority, and they're abandoning tough seats in Arizona, Wisconsin, Texas, and Michigan. They're now spending money defending seats in places like California and New York, which is a disaster area for the Democrats. Meanwhile, the polling shows that white suburban women are swinging back toward Republicans for Congress. You remember that that is precisely the demographic that President Trump underperformed with. President Trump did very, very well with men. He did very well with rural outlying areas. He actually did better than expected with minority groups. Where he really failed was with white suburban women. And so the idea that Republicans without Trump on the ballot would do really well with white suburban women made a lot of sense. Democrats were hoping that that group of women was going to stay in the Democratic camp forever. White suburban women being highly educated and again, living near major urban areas. These women would be in the Democratic camp forever. They weren't in it for more than about five minutes. According to the Wall Street Journal, white suburban women, a key group of midterm voters, have significantly shifted their support from Democrats to Republicans in the closing days of midterm campaigning because of rising concerns over the economy and inflation. The new survey from the Wall Street Journal shows white women living in suburban areas who make up 20% of the electorate now favor Republicans for Congress by 15 percentage points. That is a 27-point shift from the Democrats since the Journal's August poll. It also suggests the topic of abortion rights has faded in importance after Democrats saw energy on that issue this summer in the wake of the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. Republican pollster Tony Fabrizio, who conducted the poll, along with Democratic pollster John Anzalone, said, we're talking about a collapse, if you will, in that group on the perceptions of the economy. The poll showed 54% of white suburban women think the United States is already in recession. 74% think the economy is headed in the wrong direction. That makes sense. Very often, these are women who are shopping for their families at the grocery store and have to bring home groceries that are costing them significantly more than they would have two years ago. Views of the economy among that group were substantially more negative than in the journal's most recent prior survey in August. Only 43% thought the economy had entered a recession. 59% said the economy was headed in the wrong direction. The movement comes as several voter groups are giving Republicans a boost in the final stretch before Election Day. So again, right now, Democrats are in a world of hurt. They're in serious, serious trouble. And this 
has led President Biden back to the campaign trail. Now, a lot of Democrats are not real fond of this because the fact is the more people see Joe Biden out there, the less they want to vote for the Democrats. I talked about yesterday the fact that presidents, usually their party in midterm elections gets shellacked. But whatever hopes the party has generally do ride on the president being able to stump and, and draw up some sort of support, however feeble, for his own party. The problem is that Joe Biden is so unpopular, no one wants to be seen with him. And every time he speaks, he actually embarrasses both himself and his party. And so people are very upset with him on the Democratic side of the aisle today for having done what he did yesterday. So Joe Biden, in a fit of pique, basically, decided that he was going to recapitulate his Independence Hall speech, where he declared that half of Americans were super mega, ultra duper mega, and, and that they were a threat to democracy. He decided that he was going to speak at Washington's Union Station. Apparently, they had to clear a homeless encampment in order to make this happen. So the, the optics of this one are pretty weak. I remember when Union Station was really kind of a beautiful gem in the heart of Washington, D.C. Now, apparently, it's been taken over by the homeless, and so they actually had to clear the place. According to the New York Post, conservatives ripped President Biden's choice of Washington's Union Station as a venue for one of his final pre-midterm speeches, deriding it as a ghost town frequented by yelling psychos, homeless people, and drug addicts. The statue-filled marble-covered transit hub has fallen on hard times since the onset of COVID-19 in March 2020, with many stores in the terminal and adjacent shopping mall shuttering and never reopening. Washington Times national politics correspondent Susan Ferecchio tweeted Wednesday, President Biden plans to deliver an address Tuesday night from Union Station in D.C. This once thriving shopping center is now practically a ghost town. I took this photo of empty stores on Saturday. In August, even Starbucks announced it was closing its location inside Union Station due to rising crime and drug use inside the store. When Starbucks is shutting down stores in one of the busiest, busiest transit hubs in the United States, you know that things are really, really bad. And this is exactly where Joe Biden chose to speak, which is bizarre. D.C. actually cleared the tent city from in front of Union Station. They, they'd apparently left it there for years on end. But now that Joe Biden was speaking there, it was important to clear it out. So again, none of the optics here work for Joe Biden. Meanwhile, Karine Jean-Pierre, world's most untalented press secretary, was asked whether Joe Biden's speech, which was going to be on the theme of whether democracy was in threat, whether that was really just a Democratic get-out-the-vote effort. Because if those two things are the same, if we are just days from an election, which we are, and if Joe Biden is looking at the polls, which he is, and if he sees the incoming red wave, which is not going to be a wave, it's going to be a tsunami. If he sees that, and his final case is, we have to save democracy, that naturally implies if you vote for his opponents, then this means that you are a threat to democracy. So she was asked about this. She said, no, 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 that's not what he means. It just means that everyone's vote should count. Okay, well, if, if all that this meant was that everyone's vote should count, then why precisely is Joe Biden giving the speech? What exactly is the purpose of the speech? Obviously, it has to do with the campaign. Obviously, it has to do with the timing of the campaign. And so the not particularly subtle message here is vote for me or democracy ends. Vote for my party or democracy is a threat. Corinne Jean-Pierre denied all of that in the least convincing fashion. Thank you, Corinne. Following up on your comment that there's an alarming number of Republicans who are saying they're not going to accept election results. Does that mean President Biden thinks it is a threat to democracy if somebody votes Republican? No, that's a that's a ridiculous question. No. Why is that a ridiculous question? Because American people should have their right to vote for whomever they want. The voting is a sacred right. It is something that the president wants to protect at, at, at every turn. And he has done that. He's taken actions to protect the right to vote. And, uh, and you see uh, Democrats in Congress also doing the work to protect the right to vote. OK, so she's overtly denying that this is about getting the Democratic votes out there or getting people to vote for Democrats, which makes the timing super duper weird. Also, when you hear Karine Jean-Pierre out there stumping for the idea that election denial is tantamount to treason. 
it is important to remember that Karine Jean-Pierre is an election denier. It is amazing that nobody in the press room, aside from Peter Ducey, is going to ever ask her this question, but it happens to be a fact. April 2nd, 2020, quote, reminder, Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. That was like two years ago. And can we stop pretending now that election denial is a phenomenon on only one side of the political aisle? But that, of course, is the predicate for everything that Joe Biden was intending on doing. And in the run-up to Joe Biden's speech, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was, was trotted out on national TV to talk about political violence and how it was largely being driven by Republican political rhetoric. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas spoke exclusively with ABC's Pierre Thomas about the current threat environment. How toxic is this moment and how concerned are you? There are uh, a number of um, forces that are fueling a violent extremism, ideologies of hate, false narratives, anti-government sentiment, personal grievances. Okay, um, you may have noticed that when it comes to political violence, this is not one side of the political aisle. Brett Kavanaugh's family was threatened. I know that was wildly downplayed by the media in a way that Paul Pelosi's beating simply was not. Last night, the GOP New Hampshire Senate hopeful Don Balduck, who, as I mentioned before, right now appears like he could knock out Maggie Hassan in the Senate. Apparently, according to the New York Post, he dodged a punch from a would-be assailant before stepping on stage to debate Senator Maggie Hassan. He was apparently unharmed. The individual who attempted to assault the Senate candidate was arrested, according to his campaign. And he's not the only Republican candidate who's been physically attacked during this particular race. Lee Zeldin was physically attacked on stage by a man carrying what appeared to be a sharp implement. And he fought the guy off and was uninjured, thankfully. So again, if we're living in a climate of political violence, what you would suggest is that that's probably an all sides problem. And perhaps one of the things you would do to bring down the temperature is stop suggesting that your political opposition is literally going to end the republic if you vote for them. But Joe Biden decided to go in a different... It's more on this in just one moment. First, you've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy before. Choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. Now, I actually research the show's sponsors because I want to recommend brands I believe in. I can say with full confidence, ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. For starters... ExpressVPN does not log your online activity. Lots of cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN doesn't do that. They've even developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. ExpressVPN also uses Lightway. That's a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. I've tried a lot of VPNs in the past that can sometimes slow your connection, but ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and lets me stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. Not to mention, ExpressVPN... Really, really easy to use. You don't need any technical skills to set it up. You just fire up the app, you tap one button, and now you're connected. Even your grandparents could do it. I'm not just the one saying this. It's Business Insider, The Verge, a lot of other tech journals. They rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN on planet Earth. Protect yourself with the VPN I know and trust. Use my link at expressvpn.com slash Ben today. Get an extra three months free on that one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben. Expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. Correction. So last night, he goes out and he gives this speech. Joe Biden, he does not have the energy. He is not with it anymore. His, his version of this speech at Independence Hall was different optically, right? He, he was flanked by Marines in the background. It was very militaristic and almost fascistic. It was very bizarre in terms of the imagery. He had a, a big red, like blood red background. He was very angry, shouty, he was clenching his fists to the sky. This was Grandpa Joe trying to feebly wheedle you into voting Democrat. It was a very low energy speech. The president didn't seem like he could keep it together for much of the evening. I don't know whether he was physically tired or what the story was, but he just, he did not seem like uh, very enthusiastic about a speech that he himself called. Instead of doing it in front of a crowd, 
He did it in kind of a small room. It, it felt like a much more minor speech, but this was meant to be his closing pitch. So Joe Biden's closing pitch seemed to be, Paul Pelosi got hit with a hammer. January 6th happened. If you don't elect me and my party, there'll be more Paul Pelosi's getting hit with hammers by apparently crazy, nude, quasi-homeless people who buy into conspiracy theories online, but also wave around LGBT and Black Lives Matter flags. That's going to happen if you elect Republicans. And also there'll be more January 6th if you elect Republicans, or they just won't count your vote at all. It'll be like Stalin. They'll take all your ballots and they'll throw them in the river. This was Joe Biden's closing pitch. He started off, of course, by mentioning the Paul Pelosi attack, which again, the opportunism, the political opportunism here is pretty stunning. Democrats have a habit of doing this sort of thing. After Gabby Giffords was shot, Barack Obama flew to Arizona where he gave an anti-gun rally. After Paul Wellstone died in a plane crash, Democrats basically held a giant political rally ripping on Republicans. You don't tend to see this sort of stuff as much from Republicans, this particular kind of opportunism. After Steve Scalise was shot, you didn't get Republicans en masse doing big rallies, talking about how Democratic rhetoric had led to Steve Scalise getting shot. You just didn't see that. It's not, it seems almost entirely located on one side of the political aisle, maybe because Democrats actually believe that their opponents are evil, whereas Republicans tend to believe that their opponents are wrong or did until very recently. Maybe this will change in the near future. Maybe because both sides now see their opponents as evil rather than wrong, you'll see more of the, somebody on my side got attacked, it must be the evil people on the other side who are, who are to blame more broadly speaking. But Joe Biden certainly did that routine. So he got out there and opportunistically used the beating of Paul Pelosi as an excuse for why you must vote for his party in the upcoming elections. Just a few days ago, a little before 2.30 a.m. in the morning, a man smashed the back windows and broke into the home of the Speaker of the House of Representatives, the third highest ranking official in America. All this happened after the assault. And it just, I, it's hard to even say. It's hard to even say. After the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol on January the 6th, when they broke windows. Okay, again, first of all, Joe Biden not with us any longer. I don't know that his teleprompter failed right there and he was stalling for time, what that was. But this is the narrative. Man hits Nancy Pelosi with hammer. Same thing as January 6th. Same thing as Trump voters. Same thing as anyone who would vote Republicans in 2022, even though Trump is not on the ballot. And all these things are just connected by equal signs. It's all, it's all the transitive property. That's all. Okay. Then he, he continued to suggest along these lines that what happened on January 6th was the result of the quote-unquote big lie. And he says that that big lie is responsible for the rise in political violence and voter intimidation. And we'll, we'll, and we'll analyze this particular claim in just one second. It was an enraged mob that had been whipped up into a frenzy by a president repeating over and over again the big lie that the election of 2020 had been stolen. It's a lie that fueled the dangerous rise in political violence and voter intimidation over the past two years. Now, I, I noticed that the dangerous rise in um, voter intimidation and political violence started well before the last two years. It actually started in 2020, not at the beginning of 2021. I seem to remember the most damaging riots in American history egged on by a media that presented these riots as fiery but mostly peaceful. And a, and a group of Democrats 
who literally attempted to bail out the rioters, as in Kamala Harris, and promoted the bigger lie. You want to talk about the big lie? Okay. Uh, first of all, I don't like the big lie language because, again, the big lie language is a Hitlerian reference. It is a reference to the idea that the Jews are responsible for all the world's ills, right? That is what the big lie was when it came to the Nazi regime. It, making that equivalent to, I don't believe that Donald Trump actually lost the election is really kind of perverse. I, I don't like the hijacking of Holocaust language generally for use in politics. You see this all the time now, and it is a mark of a polarized and ugly politics. People will call people deniers, right? The, the, the phrase, the word denier comes up a lot. You're a climate denier. Okay, that obviously is language borrowed from Holocaust denial. Denying the change and impact on the climate of human activity to the extent that the IPCC says is nowhere near the same thing as saying the Holocaust did not occur. And suggesting that Donald Trump didn't lose the last election is not the equivalent of suggesting that the Jews are responsible for the German loss in World War I and therefore ought to be genocided, which was the actual big lie. And like th this is, it is kind of amazing that we've sort of just normalized that in a time when he's talking about the polarization of political rhetoric and then he uses this kind of language. Okay, fair enough. But more than that, this idea that political violence only cropped up since January 6th, 2021, ignores the fact I remember being curfewed in my house in Los Angeles so riders could go loot the footlocker like four blocks away. I remember that happening. I am more than two years old, as it turns out. But again, the idea is my political opponents are violent and evil, and this is why you must vote for my party in the upcoming midterms. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, if you have a home, you need home insurance. It's just that simple because, God forbid, there's a storm or there's some sort of disaster in your house. Your house floods. You need to make sure that your house is taken care of. This is why you need insurance via Policy Genius. Policy Genius will give you a smarter way to find and buy the right coverage without paying a cent more than you have to. Policy Genius was built to modernize the insurance industry. Their tech makes it easy to compare home and auto insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Whether your current insurance is up for renewal or you need coverage for a new home or a new ride, Policy Genius will show you price estimates for policies that fit your search. If you like what they find, they'll get you switched over for free. Policy Genius customers saved an average of $1,250 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance before. That's because Policy Genius, they're great at what they do. They have a team of licensed agents who are not incentivized to recommend one insurer over another so you can trust their guidance. No added fees. Their personal information is kept private. No wonder Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. You deserve a smarter way to find and buy protection for your property. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro home or click the link in the description to get your free home and auto insurance quotes. See how much you could save today. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro home. Also, the midterm elections are here. I hope you're ready to vote because all 435 seats in the House, 35 seats in the Senate, they're up for grabs. We need to fill those roles with actual qualified people. We probably won't, but some of those people might be qualified. But we have a better way of staffing your company than leaving it up to vote. Instead, why not head on over to ZipRecruiter.com? ZipRecruiter does the work for you. You can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. How exactly does ZipRecruiter help? Well, they make hiring faster and easier. First, when you post your job on ZipRecruiter, it uses powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job and then send them to you. Then you can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. If you want a better way to find great people for your team, try ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Then elect to take some time for you because you've got ZipRecruiter to help you out. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. We've been using ZipRecruiter for years here at Daily Wire. You should do the same. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Joe Biden continued along these lines. He talked about the defining moment for Americans. Democracy is at stake. Democracy itself. Now, you've heard this language trotted out, not just in the United States. This becomes sort of a transnational left talking point. 
So when Bibi Netanyahu is on the verge of winning in Israel, you suddenly saw a bunch of editorials appearing. Democracy is a threat in Israel. No, it's not a threat in Israel. When Bolsonaro is on the verge of winning over in Brazil, democracy is a threat unless Lula wins. And then it was, even if Lula wins, if Bolsonaro doesn't acknowledge his defeat, democracy is a threat. Okay, well, Bolsonaro said that he will transition away from office because actually he's relying on democracy to bring him back into power, banking on the fact that Lula will likely fail. It seems as though the left internationally and domestically has used threat to democracy as the all-purpose catchphrase for why you should vote for them when their policies suck. They say the, the, the only reason to vote for us, you can't vote for us based on our policies because our policies run directly contrary to what you would like from your politicians. High inflation, something for higher taxes, deficit spending, social radicalism, foreign policy surrender. Right? These are all bad policies. But if you don't vote for us, democracy will end, which, by the way, is kind of anti-democratic. If the idea is that the final bumper slogan pitch here is vote for me or democracy is over, that doesn't sound super democratic. And that, that, that sounds a little bit tyrannical. It's basically asking for one party rule because if you vote for the other party, democracy will end, which doesn't sound super like you like democracy all that much. And here's Joe Biden trying to trying to cram this giant, weird democratic policy foot into Cinderella's glass slipper. My fellow Americans, we're facing a defining moment, an inflection point. We must, with one overwhelming, unified voice, speak as a country and say there's no place, no place for voter intimidation or political violence in America, whether it's directed at Democrats or Republicans. No place, period. No place ever. So I have a question. Who exactly in mainstream political American thought is saying that there is a place for voter intimidation and political violence? Who's actually who's saying that? Can you point to a single politician right now in America who is claiming that voter intimidation and political violence are a good thing? And if he is, could he name them? That seems like that would be a better strategy than going out there broad spectrum and just laying out there that there's a shadowy cabal of people who love political violence. And those people, you know who they are, wink, wink. It's all the Republicans. You know who they are. If he actually doesn't like a particular candidate and he thinks that that candidate is in favor of political violence, shouldn't he name that person? And shouldn't he connect that person more closely to, you know, Nancy Pelosi's husband getting hit in the head with, with a hammer? That guy's not running for office, the guy who hit Nancy Pelosi's husband in the head with a hammer. That guy's going to jail. So who exactly is he talking about? He never really gets right down to it because in the end, his only pitch is you need to vote for me because I am democracy. In the same way that Anthony Fauci was, I am the science, Joe Biden is now, I am democracy. He continues along these lines. He says that there's a lot at stake in these midterm elections, but you should ignore all of that stuff because the only thing that matters is that if you don't vote for me, the fascists will march in with their jackboots. Speaker McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, one of the least prepossessing human beings on planet Earth, he's going to march in with the jackboots and black uniform and he is going to storm the rostrum and he's going to take over. I'm, I'm, I, no. I mean, the answer is no. I know there's a lot at stake in these midterm elections. From our economy, to the safety of our streets, to our personal freedoms, the future of health care, Social Security, Medicare, it's all important. But we'll have our differences. We'll have our difference of opinion. And that's what it's supposed to be. But there's something else at stake. Democracy itself. I'm not the only one who sees it. Recent polls have shown that overwhelming majority of Americans believe our democracy is at risk, that our democracy is under threat. 
They too see that democracy is on the ballot this year. And talk about hijacking polls right here. What the polls actually show is that a huge number of Americans believe democracy at risk and they are split half-half as to which party they support. A lot of Republicans believe that democracy is at risk because the president of the United States is irrigating unconstitutional power to himself, unilaterally declaring that he can use OSHA to cram down vax mandates, unilaterally declaring that he can relieve $500 billion minimum in student loan debt, unilaterally declaring that transing of the children is now a federal priority. A lot of people feel that democracy is at risk, that the the voter procedures that Joe Biden and his party would like to put into place, endless early voting, ballot harvesting by politically motivated groups, that that makes our voting less secure. A lot of people on the right are worried about democracy being at risk for very different reasons than Joe Biden is talking about. But he's trying to now grab that entire stat and say, well, you know, if a huge number of Americans believe that the democracy, they're all for me. Secretly, they're all for, no, no, sir, they are not. They are not. Also, you will notice that here he says, there are a lot of issues at stake in this election. And uh, you know how many times he mentioned the word inflation? That would be zero times during this speech. The number one issue for Americans is inflation. The second issue is jobs in the economy. He mentioned these things at length, zero times. He mentioned them only in passing to dismiss them as election issues. The only thing you should be worried about is voting for him because if you don't vote for him, then orange Hitler is going to come back. Continue along these lines, President Biden. So today, I appeal to all Americans, regardless of party, to meet this moment of national and generational importance. We must vote knowing what's at stake and not just the policy of the moment, but institutions that have held us together as we sought a more perfect union are also at stake. Ah, it's not the policy of the moment. By the way, that's code for don't judge me based on what I've actually done as president. Judge me based on the other guys are Hitler. Those people are terrible. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, you may have noticed we're experiencing a ton of global instability as primary season continues. How are you protecting your family in the midst of all of this chaos and nonsense? The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, war, political and economic upheaval dating all the way back to biblical times. That, of course, would be gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out, balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text Ben to 989898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Smart investors diversify. And when you look at the pace of inflation over the past several years, you can see financial instability is the new way of the world. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898 and talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. So Josh Barrow, uh, who is not a member of the right, I would say he's kind of a central left figure, Josh Barrow, person with whom I frequently disagree, has a good piece on this. He says the problem with pro-democracy rhetoric, he says the message makes no sense on his face. When Democrats talk about democracy, they're talking about the importance of institutions that ensure the voters get a say among multiple choices and one they most prefer gets to rule. They're also saying voters do not get to do that in this election. The message is there is only one party contesting this election that is committed to democracy, the Democrats, and therefore only one real choice available. This amounts to telling voters they have already lost their democracy. This happens to be correct. (laughs) Again, it is also true that Democrats who supposedly see the deep threat to democracy, they spent most of 2022 trying to nominate the most ultra MAGA, super duper MAGA, pooper, scooper MAGA Republicans they could in nominating contests by spending in primaries. It was Democrats who were spending in order to get 
Don Baldick nominated in New Hampshire. It was Democrats who were spending in order to get Doug Mastriano nominated for the governor's spot in Pennsylvania. If they really fear that this is a threat to democracy, is that what you do? If you really fear Hitler's on the other side, you give to his campaign? Is that what you do? Or is this all fiction? But again, Joe Biden has to keep doubling down and doubling down and doubling down. And it, it does not ring true. It, it seems dishonest. And coming from, again, a person who has spent his presidency centralizing power in himself, in defiance of institutions, ripping on the Supreme Court, treating their decisions as though they are illegitimate, suggesting that the checks and balances of government are in and of themselves bad, using the bureaucracy in order to foist upon the American people unconstitutional and invasive policies. This guy's going to lecture us about the workings of institutions and democracy? And yet that, I guess that's the pitch. The issue couldn't be clearer in my view. We, the people, must decide whether we'll have fair and free elections and every vote counts. We, the people, must decide whether we're going to sustain a republic where reality is accepted, the law is obeyed, and your vote is truly sacred. We, the people, must decide whether the rule of law will prevail, whether we will allow the dark forces to thirst, that thirst for power, put ahead of the principles that we've long guided us. And man, blowing the punchline right there. Thurston, 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 Thurston Howell for power. Again, the, the sort of dark forces versus the light. Barack Obama could, could do credibly the light bringer routine. I thought it was cynical and ridiculous at the time, but at least Barack Obama was a talented politician who had a gift for soaring oratory. Seeing this feeble elderly man lecture us about lightness and darkness as though he is Moses on the Mount is uh, pretty insulting. And again, when we talk about people who are thirsting for power, you are the president of the United States. You now say that you wish to run for re-election, which will leave you 86 at the time of your end of term. We're supposed to believe that you are but a humble servant of the people? That your party is not thirsting for power at every level? That's the pitch. He continues along this, these lines. He talks about the 220 election, which I didn't realize was actually an election, the election of 220 for one of the Roman emperors, presumably. Here we go. The great irony about the 220 election is that it's the most attacked election in our history. And yet, and yet, there's no election in our history that we can be more certain of its results. Every legal challenge that could have been brought was brought. Well, um, I don't know who won the 220 election. I, my, my, my understanding was that it was a guy named Elagabalus uh, in, in the Roman Empire, the, election, the famous election of 220. Um, but when he says that it was the, the most secure election, every legal challenge that could have been brought was brought. It's true that a lot of legal challenges were brought. What people who I, I think are more credibly afraid of the 2020 election results are afraid of is not really the idea that there were giant boxes of fake ballots that were brought in and processed. And they're not really afraid that there were giant boxes that were just tossed in the river. I think most people who are afraid of election 220, as, as Joe Biden puts it, most of those people are, are mostly afraid of the fact that there was endless early voting, endless mail-in voting, ballot harvesting in a lot of states, and that all of this undermines the credibility of the elections. Put aside the fact that the media put their thumb on the scale by literally shutting down a major story one month before the election and spending the entirety of the election ignoring the fact that Joe Biden was the other candidate. Every word printed during 2020 was Trump. Joe Biden basically sat in his basement and won the presidency. 
But if you if you have any of those doubts, then this means that you're an extreme mega maga muga maga. And, and he, he trots that line out again. I don't know. He, he seems to think he's a branding genius. Now, there, there was a president who was a branding genius. That was Donald Trump. Donald Trump was great at branding. There are a lot of things I criticized Donald Trump for. Failure of branding was not one. This is the thing he did best. Joe Biden's branding, everything he does is like new Coke. Like every attempt to brand his opposition is just a giant fail. So here we go again with extreme MAGA, MUGA, MAGA, MREGA, MAGA, MALAGA, MAGA. Yet now, extreme MAGA Republicans aim to question not only the legitimacy of past elections, but elections being held now and into the future. The extreme MAGA element of the Republican Party, which is a minority of that party, as I said earlier, but is this driving force, is trying to succeed where they failed in 2020, to suppress the right of voters and subvert the electoral system itself. So I have a question. The beginning of that paragraph is very different from the end. So the beginning of that paragraph is extreme MUGA MAGA, super ultra duper MAGA. That those people are questioning not only the legitimacy of past elections, but future elections. And then the last part of that paragraph is, if Republicans win, you will have no reason to believe they actually won ever again in the future. He's the one who's actually questioning future election results. He's the one who's questioning whether there will ever be a legit election again. He talked in the speech multiple times about voter suppression. There is no evidence of voter suppression in the United States. It is not a thing. There is significantly less evidence of voter suppression than there is of voter fraud, and there ain't much evidence of voter fraud in the United States. And yet Joe Biden has made that his stock in trade. If, if this election goes forward, no one in America will ever sleep secure in the knowledge that an election was legitimate again. Because if the Republicans win in this election, he says, then they will suppress the right of voters and they will subvert the electoral system. Well, aren't you doubting this election and future elections, Mr. President? Isn't it you who is undermining democracy with that doubt? Shouldn't you have a little more faith in the systems and institutions you say that you prize so much? I'll get to more on this in just a second. Well, it's been a big week at Daily Wire Plus, not because Democrats are going to get shellacked in the midterms only, but because we've also got tons of brand new must-see content. We are bringing out amazing new stuff pretty much every day, starting with episode two of Jordan Peterson's new three-part series on marriage. Jordan's take on marriage is fascinating. It is worth the watch. It is worth the listen. Jordan's stuff is always interesting, but his stuff on marriage is particularly amazing. Then we also have Candace Owens' new show, Taboo, featuring her one-on-one with MIA, who is a famous artist. I, I can't say that I know MIA's work, but pretty much everybody else does. So you should give that a listen as well. For my Sunday special, I sat down with Bill Lee, the governor of Tennessee. It's a fascinating conversation with one of the nation's most underappreciated governors doing an amazing job over in Tennessee. He's running a race that's not even competitive. Last up tonight at 7, 6 central, Daily Wire Plus is releasing the documentary film, My Dinner with Trump. It's a behind the curtain look at the former president and his closest advisors as they dine together at his private club at Bedminster. Regardless how you feel about Donald Trump, It's truly Trump, as the media doesn't show you. And certainly nothing like this exists or has ever existed on the right. I mean, it's literally Donald Trump sitting with his best friends and advisors for an hour. It is fascinating watching. Whether you love Trump or whether you hate him, I promise you haven't seen anything quite like this. So if you're not yet a member, there's never been a better time to join. Go to dailywire.com slash Ben, become a member today. Okay, so back to Joe Biden and his pitch, which is that if you elect the other guys, then all future elections will be skewed. Also stop doubting elections which isn't the best pitch. He made this pitch more specific in true McCarthy fashion, like Joseph McCarthy, suggesting there are more, I have a list here of 300 Republicans for elections in Ayers. It's, okay, here we go. It's estimated that there are more than 300 election deniers on the ballot all across America. 
this year. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. It's damaging, it's corrosive, and it's destructive. And I want to be very clear, this is not about me. It's about all of us. It's about what makes America, America. It's about the durability of our democracy. Whenever a politician says it's not about me, it's about him. And he's a quick hint, word of the wise. When he cites stats like there are 300 elections in IRS, and here is my list, I think it's important to actually break that down a little bit. So 538, I assume, is the source that he is using for this particular contention. Now, the, the idea here is that you are an elections denier of some sort if you have no comment on the election of 2020, for example, or if you express doubts about the election of 2020, not based on voter fraud, but based on any other notion of, of skewing or rigging, of, for example, the informational inputs from social media. 538 did an entire kind of breakdown here. They said out of 552 total Republican nominees running for office, we found 199 who fully denied the legitimacy of the 2020 election. These candidates either, but there's a further breakdown. These candidates either clearly stated the election was stolen from Trump, which, again, you sort of have to determine what stolen from Trump means in this context, right? If you think stolen from Trump means that there was full electoral fraud and that ballots were being shipped in in the dark of night and that the, the poll workers were stopped and new ballots were... That would be like the election was fully stolen. But then there are people who say the election was stolen because the media were involved in, in essentially rigging the public discourse. Corporations were involved in rigging the public discourse. I actually kind of think that. But that is not the same thing as saying that the election, that, that Biden didn't, quote unquote, win the election because he did win the election. Technically, he won the vote. He won the Electoral College. End of story. But this breakdown from 538 doesn't take that into account in that vague language. Or people who took legal action to overturn the results, which I assume would mean people who filed the lawsuits originally, which is a perfectly legal expression of how you challenge election results. And then those lawsuits were thrown out. Right, so that, that, is, that, that, that is the biggest cadre, apparently, of the election deniers. They said that there were 61 candidates who raised questions around the results of the 2020 election. And by, by this standard, by the way, a huge majority of Democrats, I would assume, after 2016 would be counted election deniers. They're either people who thought that Trump had stolen the election, using that broad language again, or raised questions around the results of the 2016 election. That was mainstream Democratic discourse. And then they counted 122 candidates whose position on the 2020 election we could not determine. They either had no comments or they avoided answering when, when asked directly. And they say there were 77 who fully accepted the results, 93 accepted with reservations. Well, these are very vague categories, but according to, to Joe Biden, more than half of all Republican candidates are full-on threats to election integrity in the United States. And this is what it comes down to for Joe Biden. Again, vote for my opponents and threaten democracy or vote for me and get crap policy, but democracy will be preserved forevermore. And then he got into some romantic talk about democracy and autocracy. And again, the, the irony is quite thick here. Here is Joe Biden. Democracy means the rule of the people, not the rule of monarchs or the moneyed, but the rule of the people. Autocracy is the opposite of democracy. It means the rule of one, one person, one interest, one ideology, one party. What we're doing now is going to determine whether democracy will long endure. Um, well, I mean, I, I noticed that when we're talking about the rule of one interest, one ideology and one party, when you castigate the entire other party or the driving force behind the other party, as he said. He said the driving force behind the other When you castigate them as threats to democracy, it seems as though what you are seeking is one interest, one ideology, one party, and one person. 
considering that you'd like to wrest authority from the legislative and judicial branches of government. If we're talking about threats to democracy and the rise of autocracy, as I've discussed before, centralization of mass power in one dude at the head of the executive branch might be a bit of a problem. So th this shtick is incredibly cynical, but, you know, you, you, President Biden is a particularly cynical person. Now, he did warn that uh, we don't know how many states are, we know many states are not going to start counting until after the polls close, and that we might not know the winner until a few days later, and it takes time to count. It's important for citizens to be patient, and all the rest of this stuff this is how it's supposed to work. That's all fair, and that's all decent. And I said this after the 2020 election, right? There's a lot of talk. The evening of the 2020 election, Donald Trump in the early returns was winning a lot of these states, and then he declared himself victor before all the votes were in. I said, you can't do that. You have to wait until all the votes are in. That is, is true. However, what is not true is what Joe Biden would then go on to say which is that the assault on democracy is ongoing. We are living on razor's edge. And again, if you vote for my opponents, he just keeps beating this horse. If you vote for my opponents, democracy will end. Here's clip 13. I wish, I wish I could say the assault on a democracy had ended that day, but I cannot. As I stand here today, there are candidates running for every level of office in America, for governor, Congress, attorney general, secretary of state, who won't commit they will not commit to accepting the results of elections that they're running in. This is a path to chaos in America. It's unprecedented. It's unlawful. And it's un-American. I've said before, you can't love your country only when you win. My polling data, by the way, Democrats generally like their country a lot more when they win. Republicans have been very consistent in polling data going back decades that whether Democrats win or whether Republicans win, they're very patriotic. Democrats are only patriotic when Barack Obama is president or Joe Biden is president. When Trump is president, their patriotism drops by double digits. As far as the notion that you have to commit to the integrity of the election beforehand, okay, fine. I'd like to hear all the Democrats do that. For this election, for the next election, for future elections also. How about a bipartisan commitment that we trust that the results of future elections will be decent and that they will be clean? I'm not hearing a lot of Democrats doing that. I'm not hearing Joe Biden doing that in this speech. Again, he keeps saying if Republicans win, we may never have another clean election. You don't get to do, you're sowing chaos by doubting the results of elections. And at the same time say, if the other guys win, I'm going to doubt all future elections. It doesn't work that way. All right, guys, the rest of the show is continuing now. You're not gonna wanna miss it. We're gonna get into the latest Federal Reserve interest rate hike. We will also get into Vice President Harris being Vice President Harris and the precriminations against Joe Biden begin. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So 
I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.